from Birmingham, Alabama. You're listening to the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. I'm your host, Gary Furr, and I'm so glad to have you with me today. Whether you're sitting in your favorite chair or riding along in the car, I'm glad we're going to get to spend this time together. Well, welcome back to the Flatpick and Pilgrim's Progress. Got to thinking about um, how songs work in our brains and call up memories. You may remember years ago, Oliver Sacks, a British-born neurologist, his maverick investigations inspired an Academy Award-winning movie a long time ago. Robin Williams was in it called Awakenings. And he gained notoriety for a book called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. And it was a collection of strange cases of mental and emotional issues. He's a physician. Uh, he was a physician, author, neurologist, professor, and psychiatry professor at Columbia University Medical Center. He wrote a book called Musicophilia. He investigated the power of music to move us and heal us and uh, work in ways very different from the typical left brain, right brain stuff. In his music and memory project, he collected and investigated the power of music on memory. And it's tempting, and I've even said this sometimes myself in thinking about things like dementia and uh, brain damage, that when memory goes, so does the sense of who we are. Who am I when I can't remember who I am anymore? And so often in my pastoral vocation, I would hear people say, Mom left us long ago. But a lot of people now are reminding us the person's still there. And in Alzheimer's and related disorders, a person descends down into a solitary cocoon of long-term memories, and then finally into silence before death. But the person is somehow still there. Um, there was a man in one of Sachs' projects who had a severe case of Parkinson's. It rendered him inert and lifeless most of the time. They learned from his family about some of his favorite music. Uh, it was Cab Calloway and others early on, and they put it all into an iPod at that time and put it on earphones, and he just came alive. His eyes were bright. He began to move to the rhythm and sing along. The glow of life uh, continued a long time after the music was taken away, and he says at the end, the Lord gave me these sounds. There's something in the way we are made the sacredness of uh, life itself that is this interweaving of things. Um, Sachs was criticized. He was pretty uh, much a maverick, and so he didn't always meet the rigor of scientific requirement, especially by radical reductionists. Uh, some of them believe there's no self or soul. We're just the product of acculturated experiences and brain physiology, and when it's gone, so are we. But there's something instinctive that I think we 
many of us believe and know that there are aspects of humanity not reducible to particles, chemicals, and randomness. I used to have a group of scientists that I would meet with on a regular basis. A couple of us were theologians, but we would talk about religion and science, and none of them were six-day creationists. But all of them except one were theists and Christians. And so my question to them was, uh, okay, I, I get scientific method and some of the reservations you have in what we could talk about. But here's my question. You're committed to this scientific method. You are committed scientists. You are committed to its methodology. And you are very humble about what we can actually know to be true. And yet all of you are people of faith and believe in God and go to church. Um, why? Why do you do this? And they looked at me because it was a question they hadn't quite had before. And one of them said something very striking to me. He said, even when you understand everything about why this is the way it is, the complexity of it, it still causes wonder. That is something really at the heart of what worship is supposed to be. We turn it, oh my goodness, so much into something we conjure and manipulate and control and evoke in people. But the truth is, genuine worship is this sense of all before something that is beyond. I did a funeral a lot of years ago for a real character in this town I was in in South Georgia. His name was Tig Pickle. It was a short for a nickname he had, Tiger. He was a former newspaper columnist and a leader in the community. And at the time I went there in the 1980s, he was a local radio personality. And I recognize this radio. I don't know how many watts it had, but I think it barely went out beyond the county line. It was an AM station. But everybody in the county would tune in to his show in the middle of the day because he would also read the uh, upcoming funerals so everybody could know about that. And since our paper came one, once a week, they depended on Tig to know a lot of things that were going on. And when I moved there from Texas, he was very interested in the fact that I was a Texan. So he had me on the program and interviewed me about uh, Texas and you know, since I'd come from Texas, like all Texans, I had just went ahead and pretended I was an expert in everything. Um, he was a wordsmith. He really was renowned for telling a good story and a well-written sentence. And he would often come up to me after a joke or sermon or a point well made and comment on it. And of course, as in all lives, the day came when his life began to take those gifts away. And it ended most cruelly. Uh, this man with a sly grin and a quick wit started losing his words, and it was clear he had some form of dementia and went out to the nursing home where he sat inert most of the day. And one day I went out, as I did pretty regularly, to lead worship at the nursing home. I, I would sing at the end, take my guitar, and Tig was there sitting uh, at the back in a rocker, and by this time, he was silent and unresponsive, and I started singing Amazing Grace. And as we started to sing, something came over him. Something invisible was moving around inside, and he, he stood up, and he started singing every single word and looking up at the ceiling. 
I don't think he was there in the day room at the nursing home anymore. I think he was in his mind back in the pews of First Baptist Church where week after week regularly he had worshipped. And he sang out loud and he continued to make his way forward until he stood shoulder to shoulder right next to me while I'm singing. And he just kept singing along as though I wasn't even there and he was leading the congregation. And we ended up. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Then he shuffled back to his seat and sat down. Almost everything else was gone, but the power of a lifetime of habit of faithful worship and life was still down in there, and music pulled it from a different place. Though he almost never spoke anymore, something got him up out of the chair, and he sang every word of that old hymn. Personal note, my my dad is going uh, through some dementia now, and he lives close by, and I uh, watch after my parents. But one of our traditions has always been uh, my dad plays the mandolin. He, he He's 6'5", and it's kind of hilarious to see that tiny little mandolin in his hands. But, man, he could play it, always has. He and his brothers all played. Um, and he has my Uncle Vance's old 1949, I think it is, uh, Gibson J45, and a mandolin he bought from Herb Trotman years ago. And for years, every time I went to visit when they were living in Atlanta, the last thing we would do is uh, get out the guitar or the mandolin and we'd play old tunes. And we still do that from time to time. I pull it out and Dad always says the same thing. He says, well, you know, I don't have anybody to play with much anymore. And I said, well, let's just play a little bit. And So I get out the guitar and start playing and singing and it takes him a little bit to get going. He'll noodle around on there, but then here come the notes and the melodies. And when I start doing familiar songs, Down Yonder or I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry or Mountain Dew or Amazing Grace or You Washed It, the Blood, old hymns, uh, he starts playing those melodies, and there they come. Psalm 115. 12 to 18, it's a great passage. And in verses 12 and 13, it says, The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. God remembers us. Remembering, not just our own remembering, but being remembered is one of the biggest deals in life. One of the ways I used to bless people as a pastor was to say to somebody 10, 15 years later, I will never forget your daddy. I will never forget your sister. I, I'll never forget your child who passed away. As long as someone continues to be remembered and not forgotten, they continue to be loved. Well, that's been on my mind today. We've had more mass shootings, and it reminded me of a story in a great book uh, called uh, The Violence Project 
and they were interviewing these criminologists, and they interviewed a principal who had intervened and stopped a, a boy in a high school from shooting people, gotten it away from him, and they said, what's what's the answer for all of this? And of course, there are lots of answers, uh, legal, the whole drowning in guns problem that we have in this society, but they said, what's the answer? And he said, community. I wonder about all this isolation and disconnection. Inevitably, we end up at the hands of violence from people who are alienated in one way or another from the community, from the rest of us, from life. Well, I'm thinking about that today. Somehow we all need to belong and be known and be remembered. You are remembered. And it's important that we let you know that you are. I'll leave you with a John Prine song that sort of touches on this. It's one that I love. It came from his very first album. And um, hope you enjoy it. I just recorded it last night here at the house. It's called Hello in There. See you next time. We had an apartment in the city. Me and Loretta like living there. Well, it'd been years since the kids had grown. A life of their own Left us alone John and Linda live in Omaha And Joe, well he's somewhere on the road We lost Davy in the war And I still don't know what for Don't matter anymore You know that old trees just grow stronger And old rivers grow wilder every day Old people just grow lonesome Waiting for someone to say Hello in there Hello Me and Loretta, we don't talk much more She sits and stares through the back door screen And all the news just repeats itself 
like some forgotten dream that we've both seen. Someday I'll go and call up Rudy. We work together at the factory. But what could I say if he asks what's new? Nothing what's with you, nothing much to do. You know that old trees just grow stronger And old rivers grow wilder every day People just grow lonesome Waiting for someone to say Hello in there Hello So if you're walking down some street sometime And spot some hollow ancient eyes Please don't just pass them by and stare As if you didn't care Say hello I'm Gary Furr, and this is the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. Thanks for joining me today. You can find my music at G-A-F-U-R-R, G-A-F-U-R.com, and you can go to my blog site for lots of other information and writings at GaryFurr.me, G-A-R-Y-F-U-R-R.me. Once again, thank you so much. Join me next time on the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress.